0: Our second scripture reading today comes from the book of James, one of my favorite books of the Bible, because it's so practical. It's so, uh, it shows us so much about integrity. And it comes from the third chapter, starting at verse 13 through verse 18. And it says, Who is wise in understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition... And your hearts do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. From where, from where there, for where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. The word of God for the people of God. God. So today we are continuing our series on what it means for us to be called to the Ministry of Reconciliation And as we were getting ready to go through this series, we were talking about different stories in the Bible that uh, we might use as we are are doing this series. And uh, when it was mentioned that that we could do uh, one of the series uh, sermons on the story of the Good Samaritan, I made the mistake of sharing how I've been uh, taught a real different way of thinking about that story, a real different way of thinking about it uh, through some of the readings I've done over the course of my life. And uh, that it really opened my eyes differently, you know. And so at that time, of course, it was suggested, well, Randy, maybe you should be the one that, that takes that, that one on. So, so here I am. So that's how I got to this point. But uh, as we go forward, uh, you know, one of the things, the reason that we haven't read the parable of the Good Samaritan, instead we've read other scripture, is because those, those scriptures really help us bring to light what the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, is truly about. What is the real purpose, in the first place, that Jesus told this parable? You know, uh, the thing about parables that is very interesting to me is that parables really serve as lens adjustments. They serve as vision adjustments. You know, uh, most of the time that Jesus tells parables is when people come to him and try to catch him uh, you know, they try to get him to say what they want him to say. They want to define the terms for him. And Jesus says, uh, no, no, you know, that's, that's not how we're going to do this. And so, uh, but he does it in much gentler terms by, by sharing the parables. So I want to start at first reading the beginning of the parable of the Good Samaritan at the very beginning to give us the framework and the structure in which the story is told. So it begins with a lawyer who stands up to test Jesus. And the lawyer says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to the lawyer, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Now, here comes the part where the human nature falls in. The lawyer then said, wanting to justify himself, ask Jesus, who is my neighbor? And isn't that always the case? You know, Jesus tells us and, and God gives us clear, um, you know, information about how we're to live, about how we're about to go go about our lives. And then it always comes to that point where we're like, eh, you know, I really don't like all these, you know, that leaves the door wide open. You know, this whole thing, you know, just undefined neighbor. That, 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 That's asking way too much, Jesus. You know, I mean, I really, you know, if you say you need to be a neighbor to these people or to these people, that's okay. But just leaving that question open, you know. And, and besides, how can I check off all the right boxes and know that I'm doing all the right things if you leave this question wide open? And that's where Jesus then goes into the actual parable, to really challenge the lawyer and say, listen, you're looking at this all wrong. The way you're, you're trying to see this is all wrong. And that's where the passage in James comes in handy. And one of the things uh, that I loved, my sermon title came actually from the way that, that it is, um, the translation is, is, reads in the Message Bible. In the Message Bible, in those first verses of James, it says, do you want to be counted wise? To build a reputation for wisdom, uh, here is what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It is the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. So when I read that, I started thinking, no, that really does sum it up. You know, what Jesus was trying to to communicate to us, and also what Jesus was trying to say to this lawyer that came to him. It basically comes down to those three things. You know, to live, to live uh, well, to live wisely, and to live humbly. You know, and so I started thinking about what that really tells us, and I started looking at the passage in James to understand that more. And at the beginning, as far as living well, it says, "Show your good life that your show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness and wisdom." So, you know, how do we show by our good life that our our acts are done with gentleness and wisdom? Well, the only way that we have the ability to have that wisdom is to understand our values. What are our values? What are the things that determine how we act and how we live in the world? How do we understand our values? And at one point, um, about a week ago, I was in at the eye doctor. And, you know, of course, he kind of scolded me because I haven't been to the eye doctor for about six years and he's like, well, why would you, uh, I'm sorry, you know, I, I had to apologize. But what stood out when I went into the eye doctor was he had me go up, and, you know, you put your chin on the little thing, and they start adjusting the things to see how bad your, your vision is and what you can see and what you can't. And they're clicking down these little lenses, and they click this down, and they say, is this one better, or is this one better? And you're, you're telling them, and he's adjusting these lenses, and all of a sudden, you know, you get to the end, and you're like, wow. I can see clear. I can really see well, you know. And so, you know, at that point you realize you probably should have gone to the eye doctor a little earlier. But, you know, hey, you know, what can you say at that point? So it reminded me of a, a quote that I read not long ago, you know. And the quote went like this. It said, how we look on the face of any person and how we see any situation depends on our values. Like a lens of a camera which forms images by bringing together rays of light or spreading them apart, our values determine how we perceive light and shadows in persons and situations. And like a photographer who learns to combine lenses creatively in order to produce better images, we can learn to combine our values creatively and shape a world more worthy of our human family. I love that quote. I love that idea. It's because... You know, so often we get so tied up in, in seeing the world in the wrong way. We get tied up in seeing the world through uh, other people's uh, lenses instead of God's. We get tied up in, in, in losing track of our values. And we begin to make uh, decisions according to, to values that we get from the world, from, from worldly things. We begin to trust things that, that aren't of God. Uh, we begin to lose sight of the truth we know uh, from our faith. And so at that point, you know, this this uh, this quote always brings me back. Am I truly using my values in a way to see a better world? And really, that's what Jesus is telling the lawyer is saying, listen, you, you know, the information, you, you know what you're supposed to know. But are you using that to see the world? Are you using it to control the world? Are you use, or are you using it to see the world as God wants you to? Which leads us to the next thing. The next thing is to live wisely. And, you know, uh, so often we worship knowledge in our, in our world. You know, you know, we worship knowledge. And we're so desperate to find out all this new information. We're so desperate to go online and find out, you know, we gather. We just gather, gather knowledge. And we pile knowledge on knowledge. To the point where it's just a bunch of stuff we know. But the truth is, we don't do anything with it half the time. You know, it's great to know stuff. But it doesn't do us any good if we don't do anything with it. You know, wisdom is taking knowledge and applying it and and doing it in a way that that God intends us to. So at that point, when we take that knowledge and apply it and we live wisely, we begin to be able to be the kind of people that God intends. You know, and that's, that's what the parables help do. They help kind of reframe that idea saying, "Okay, you know, it's great to know stuff. But when I apply it to a relational situation, what does it truly mean? And that's what the parables do for us. And when I think of this, though, I think of the people who taught me about wisdom. And one of the people that taught me the most about wisdom was a lady named Miss Enloe. And some of you have heard this story before. But when I was uh, growing up, I grew up a preacher's kid. So I grew up in the church. The church was like my second home. And so I really took it for granted. You know, it just was part of who I was. Uh, And by the time I got to junior high which, you know, teenagers tend to do, I begin to think, you know, I don't want to go to church every day. You know, I'd rather do other things. I'd rather sleep in. I'd rather do other things. Uh, and, you know, my parents were struggling with this and, and deciding what they could do to encourage me to continue to go to church. Well, Ms. Enlow came up to me, and she was uh, probably in her mid-80s, and she had a walker, and she lived across the street from the church. And she came up to me and said, you know, Randy... Yeah, you know, I really need someone to help me across the street uh, every Sunday so I can go to church and go home. Could you do that? Could you help me? Well, I really, uh, you know, I, I thought a lot of Miss Inlow. I really respected her, so I said, "Sure," you know, thinking that I was helping Miss Inlow out. Well, come to find out, she knew what she was doing. You know, not only did she know how to make some of the best homemade cookies that I ever have, which, uh, you know had which I would get when I would take her, you know, go back home with her. Uh, but once I, once I came inside, I sat down and started eating those cookies. She has some of the most incredible conversations with the little squirrely high school boy uh, that, that you could imagine. And, and those conversations have, formed my, have been a part of what formed my values. You know, there are values I heard from my family all growing up, but, but hearing them from Ms. Inlo and hearing them the way she spoke them, uh, you know, it helped me realize what wisdom was really uh, in those words. So, you know, I've tried throughout my life to be that kind of person as well. To be a person that pays attention and creatively tries to impart uh, values and helps do that. The last of the three things is to live humbly. And that one's uh, not always very easy. It can be very difficult. For one thing, uh, we have a very misunderstood understanding of what humility means. Really what humility means, according to the Bible is to know our place, understand our place in the world, and to accept that and live into that. To, to know that, to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. To know that, uh, you know, that we are of value, but we are not of greater value than other people. And so often, uh, you know, we have a hard time with that one. We have a real hard time understanding humility. Uh, and, and we struggle with it. But in the last verse of the uh, scripture in James, it says, A harvest of righteousness righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Without humility, we're not going to be able to make peace because we're going to have that selfish ambition. We're going to have that that, uh, attitude of being superior. So with these three things, if we think about these three things and we go back to the parable of the Good Samaritan, it sheds new light on what Jesus was trying to communicate. So we all, we've we heard this story. A man going along the road to Jericho, falls among thieves. He's beaten. He's left to die on the side of the road. And then first a priest come by, comes by and passes on the other side. A Levi comes by, passes on the other side. And finally a Samaritan comes along and has pity on the man, helps him, puts him on his donkey and takes him to an inn. He tends to his wounds and pays for him to stay in the inn. And, uh, and then Jesus said to the lawyer, which one of these uh, did God's will? And he said, and the lawyer couldn't say the Samaritan, you know, because the word good Samaritan for them didn't go together. Samaritans were the outcasts of society. They were the rejects. They were, you know, the word good could never go with Samaritan. He, all he could say is, well, the one that showed mercy. And then Jesus said, go and do Likewise. So Jesus redefines the, the question. It's not about who is our neighbor. It's about who are we a neighbor to. Jesus says to us, it's not about our labels. It's not about, you know, our knowledge. It's not about all these other things. It's about our day-to-day living, our day-to-day choices, and how are we going to respond when we are presented with the, with the challenge to show mercy and to show kindness and to show love. How are we going to live in our day-to-day reality. Are we going to be too conscious and worried about other things? Are we going to be able to stay in the present and live in such ways that bring mercy and peace to the world? So, you know, that's that was the challenge that Je- Jesus was trying to shift our worldview in these parables. So the challenge to each one of us is to make sure that we are using our, our values as lenses in the world in a way... It creates a better society, a better community, and a better reality. As each one of us goes out in the world, we're going to be challenged by uh, a lot of different messages and a lot of different choices. We're going to be overwhelmed by random knowledge. But if we truly want to be wise, if we truly want to be those that are part of the ministry of reconciliation, we're going to have to be able to shift through those things. We're going to, be able to have to be able to see clearly by adjusting our lenses of values And allowing God to work in and through us. So I challenge each one of us to think about that as we face the different things that will come in our life. Uh, How are we going to go about living out God's call to this ministry of reconciliation?